Well, good evening, everybody. Good evening, lovely people. And as always, it's wonderful to be with you all. And one of the things I think I enjoy most about coming together on a Sunday evening is that lovely opportunity that we have to share with each other, to spend time with each other and have a bit of a chat. And it's lovely speaking to, well, everyone and get to know people a little bit more and really get to know a bit about people's roots, where they come from, where they've been, where they plan on going in the future. Because there's one weird quirk about perhaps this church, perhaps the whole town of Aberystwyth, and that is there aren't too many natives. Most people have moved in for one reason or another. And though they will call this place home, there is somewhere else that they will call home as well. And the more you get to know people, perhaps the more time you spend away from that place where you might call home where your roots are, sometimes the more you miss it, the more you appreciate it, the more you think and dwell about what it's been to you and who you are in it. Now, Many of you who know me before will know that I grew up in a town called Merthyr Tidville and I'm very proud to come from that town. But I've pretty much lived all my life in small towns or even villages. The thought of living in a city has always been mortifying to us and it's not something we've ever wanted to do. I'm a lover of living in the community I love the whole sense that comes with being in that town, that village, that community. I love getting in my car in the morning, maybe doing the school run or something like that, and seeing the same people going to do the same things at the same hour of the day. This is something so wonderfully reassuring about it all. I love it that tomorrow I will get up, maybe leave you, go for a walk to town, and you're guaranteed to have a conversation with one people and say, I abut to about 30 other people along the way, or shamai but if I'm in an especially valley's mood. I love it, what it means to be in the community. And there's one thing I love about being in a small town, and this is true for every place where I've lived there's always a sense of excitement when that place is mentioned in the news. When something has happened, people get really excited about it. A few years ago, it all kicked off in Merthyr, and Channel 4 came and made a documentary on it. And it cast Merthyr in the worst light you could think of. But absolutely everyone was chuffed a bit that they thought we were worth making a documentary about. When we lived in Hirwine, which is a village just outside where Graham grew up, I was always chuffed when I'd put on Radio 5 Live to find out that there was a traffic jam on the heads of the Valley's Road, what was always there. If you've ever heard the word Hirwine, I guarantee you've heard it on a traffic report. And Aberystwyth. I knew that I'd kind of settled in Aber. Even it was just a few months ago, I was listening to a podcast and who historians mentioned the word Aberystwyth and what a brilliant cultural town it was. I went, yeah, I'm there. <laughs> there is something great about having that sense of roots and, I guess, having it acknowledged. Because when these things are acknowledged, it feels like you are acknowledged. It makes you feel valued. 
and in its own way, one way or another, it makes you feel kind of valued. And that is where the principles of the gospel according to Luke, the account of Luke's gospel, are kind of just so important. When Luke sat down to write his gospel around about 85, 86 AD, he wanted to do so from a very broad angle. He wanted to take into account the history and he wanted to perhaps in some way address some of the challenges that are happening in the church. At that time, there were great issues in the church throughout the known world over the issue of where the Gentiles, that is the non-Jewish people, fitted in. Up until the majority of this point since Christ, most of the church was made up of Jews. There was a great discussion about whether non-Jews should be allowed in, and if they were allowed in, what their role would be. And, if you like, in that first century or so, there was a lot of looking down on these Gentiles, these non-Jewish people, because they weren't as good as everyone else. And then we get to this point, chapter 7 in Luke's Gospel, and Luke does something to many which may be thought of as unthinkable. He tells a story of Jesus and his interaction with a Gentile. Imagine being one of those Gentiles reading this for the first time. All of a sudden, you, your culture, your people is being openly acknowledged. You are being acknowledged. A story about Jesus and how he interacts with you is told. And not any Gentile either. We're talking about a geezer who was the top of the game. We're talking about a centurion. We're talking about a Roman citizen probably. We're talking about somebody who is an important person. This was a really good Gentile. Jesus was acknowledging the place that they had there. Luke, by his account, was saying to the whole church, these guys are important. You are important. And he was teaching some really important lessons along the way. And perhaps the most significant lesson that he was teaching in this reading that we can really apply to ourselves and where we are today surrounded the issue of authority. Now, again, speaking to a lot of you third-year guys from university, you're about to go off and leave and start your careers, and the Lord himself only knows where that will lead you. Some of you may take charge of a lot of other people. Some of you might become managers, line managers, all the rest of it, of a lot of people. Some of you might have great authority over a lot of people. Some of you here will know what that's like to have authority over people. will understand what it's like to be a centurion, albeit in a modern age. Some of you may wonder about what it can feel like to have authority. But here's the thing. All of us, in one way or another, have authority. Sometimes it's in the workplace over people. 
Sometimes it's in the home. Sometimes it's the authority that we have amongst our peers and our friends and how we can sway a conversation. Sometimes it's over animals. It's over creation itself. After God created the universe in Genesis, he goes on to tell Adam, you have the authority over this creation now. Till it for me. On one level or another, each and every one of us in this room has authority over creation, over God's people, over anything really. And as our lives come and our lives change, we might find ourselves in situations where we have lots and lots of authority. And we need to understand from a spiritual point of view what that means and how it is that we deal with it. So I guess the big question is, what can we learn from this reading about the nature of authority? Because we see a play both from Jesus and from the centurion himself. Well, I guess the first thing we can say about godly authority is, it is steeped in the spirit. It is steeped in the fruit of the spirit. It is steeped in love and it is steeped in kindness. And it builds up a strong reputation in the same way. When you think of a centurion, what do you normally think of? I can tell you what I normally think of when I think of a centurion, and that's a bit of a git. That's that dude who's whipping people, telling them what to do, shouting at people, saying, stand here, do that, and all the other things you might see in films from Roman times. The centurion who was there when Jesus had the nails put into him. The centurion who puts the power over people. But this centurion was a little bit different for that. This was a guy who fully got integrated into the community where he lived. This was a guy, despite being a Roman citizen, a Roman centurion, was admired by the elders of that community. This was a guy who built a synagogue for that community. This is a guy who had a reputation for love, which made him fit in. Now stop just for a moment and think about that. This person who's a complete alien to the land, this person whose people have a reputation for causing damage, pain, dominance, this person who has all of these things going on and carries a sword with him as well, has a reputation for being loving, has a reputation for being kind, has a reputation for being godly. He is known in his community for that. And how amazing would it be if we have that same reputation as well. Now, I know this all sounds very nice, and you've probably heard me certainly talk a lot about this before, and you might be thinking, come on, give us something a little more meaty. We don't want to just talk about being nice. But actually, this is incredibly important, and it is rooted in the power of Scripture. 
Last year, we had a series on the fruit of the Spirit where we explored what the fruit of the Spirit is. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruit which we believe Jesus had in him. The fruit which comes from the power of the Spirit at work. This isn't just nice words. This isn't just fluffy words. These are words of Scripture which should challenge us. When we think about the Old Testament people, we think about the calling of the people of Israel and they had laws given to them to live out in this way to the world that their reputation would be so strong in the world for love and kindness that they would represent God. This is important for us and we need to be seeking more and more. The question is... Is that what we're known for? Are we known like this centurion for being loving? Are we known like this centurion for being kind? Are we known like this centurion for being generous? Do we have a reputation for godliness? Because you know what? If we haven't got that, then we're struggling. This might sound basics, but I can tell you this much now about the church across the world. We struggle with this reputation. And this is the stuff we need to get right. This is what this centurion had. And this was able to break down barriers. Break down barriers between people. And he did so because God shone upon him so much. And when we think about the ministry of Jesus. How much was he in the business of breaking down barriers? He broke down barriers between Jew and Gentile. He broke down barriers between the nations. He broke down the ultimate barrier between heaven and earth, allowing us to have the forgiveness of our sins and the gift of eternal life. Jesus is in the business of breaking down barriers, and we should be in that business as well. Breaking down the barriers that separate us the barriers that we put up in the world and society, the barriers of class, the barriers that come with status, the barriers that come with race and everything else we want to add on that, the barriers that we put in place that separate us from each other, the barriers that come with the world, but the barriers that are broken down In the name of Jesus. Jesus comes to break down the barriers. And call us to be together as one. And you know one of the most beautiful images. That I can see now. Which the Lord looks at. And I believe really smiles at is. There is youth. There are older people. There are people of all kinds sat together. Because those barriers are broken down. Across the world. That's not always the story. Liz and I, when we were training in college, our principal was a guy from the south of India. And he once did a service in the Indian tradition. And when we went into our college chapel, we had to sit men on one side and women on the other. And he did so to prove a point that in his culture, they had the caste system. And people would be often separated until halfway through the church when everybody could sit together and it was a symbol of the barriers that Christ 
breaks down. The centurion broke down barriers through his love in that community and the people recognized it. And Christ broke down barriers with a centurion, with a Gentile, for having a conversation with him. The first sign of godly authority is the sign of the love of God in us that can break down those barriers. Love that gets alongside people. Love that seeks to help people. Love that seeks to bless people. We don't need to be perfect. In fact, we all make mistakes. And sometimes you can just talk about being kind, but that's complicated because one person's kindness might be different to another person's kindness. But when people truly see the Lord at work in us, that gives us a solid foundation in the authority which we have. When we go about our daily lives, when we grow into our daily lives, we'll have two options of how we can demonstrate authority over people. One is to be like that picture of a centurion which we may have, ordering people about, telling people what to do, forcing pressure on people, saying I want results or else, or being like the centurion in this way, doing everything in love, everything differently, and everything in the way of Christ. What is the most powerful fundamentally? It is the way of Christ. So authority is kind. Authority is loving. Authority is good. But true authority is also something else. And that is, it is able to recognize ultimately where all authority comes from. What's amazing about Jesus' conversation around this whole area was how the centurion was able to recognize the ultimate authority of God. He was able to recognize that whatever he did, whoever he was, whatever title he was given, actually all those things he was allowed to have because God allowed him to have it. He recognized that though he had earthly authority, it was given to him. It was given to him in the same way it was given to Adam. And we receive it in the same way. And this is such an important thing for us to remember because the one thing every one of us can fall foul of is taking our personal glory for the good things that God does. One of the easiest traps to fall in is to elevate ourselves instead of giving glory to God. Last week, of course, there was a coronation. And the one thing I think that struck me more than anything was amongst the pageantry, amongst the expensive jewels, amongst the robes, how fundamentally, and whether you agree with the monarchy or don't agree with the monarchy, that's not important. Fundamentally, there was a recognition where true authority comes from. The true authority comes from Christ and is given by Christ. Whatever riches are there on earth, they are given by Christ. 
and it's the same for us. I'm always inspired by a quote that Queen Victoria had when she said, I hope that Jesus comes back in my lifetime so I can lay my crown before him. The recognition that all authority comes from him. Often, where we screw up the most, often when we make the biggest mistakes, is when we make it about us and not about the Lord. We make it about our own glory, our own status, our own need for recognition. And we all have that. I certainly do in me. That need to be seen in a certain way. And when we put our ego when we put our status, when we put all these things in a pedestal, we gradually can be challenged to take away from the goodness of God and the challenge of God and who God is to us. We can separate ourselves from God and lose sight of God. This centurion didn't do that. This centurion recognised who he was in the Lord and the Lord commended him for it because true authority is also encouraging <clears throat> towards the end of this reading Jesus goes out of his way to say that this centurion had an amazing faith there are only two times in the New Testament that Jesus did this. Almost every time that he performs a miracle, he is stopped by somebody. But this is one of the only times where he wants to really, if you like, congratulate the person who stopped him. And he is pointing out in doing so just how wonderful the authority that this guy has. And this means a lot. This is the Paul Hollywood handshake in Bake Off. This is the with regret in The Apprentice. This is the I don't like it, I love it, in with Simon Cowell. This is Jesus really saying, you've done good, you mate. And saying to us, recognize what he is doing. Because this centurion really doesn't want to take any glory for himself. In fact, all he does throughout it all is give glory to Jesus. All he does throughout it all is say, it's on him. He even sees himself as completely unworthy to have Jesus in his household because he recognizes the authority that comes through him. But Jesus in his grace says, it's okay, I'm with you because Jesus calls us friend as well. True authority comes from him. And true authority is also something else. And that is encouraging. True authority should always seek to encourage the other person. When you have authority, you have a gift. And when you have that gift, you can use it for good or you can use it for wrong. Jesus, this centurion, they used that gift for good. The centurion was encouraged by Jesus 
And the centurion encouraged those people around him. The power of encouragement with authority is really important. The story is told from Eastern Europe many decades ago of two boys who were serving as altar boys in a church. One altar boy was having the communion wine prepared for and he dropped it on the floor. And the priest shouted at him. The priest berated him. The priest called him useless and said, you shouldn't be doing this. The other altar boy in another church dropped the cup and the priest said, that's okay. You're doing a good job. We can get through this. That second altar boy turned out to be Pope John Paul II. The first altar boy turned out to be Joseph Stalin. Encouragement is an incredible gift. Encouragement helps us to realize who we are. Encouragement helps us to realize who we are in the Lord. And we're called to share it. Venom isn't a spiritual gift, but encouragement is. And we are called to use the authority that God gives to us to encourage people both in this place and outside this place. And that's not to say that we don't challenge stuff where it's wrong. It's certainly not to say that we don't stand up for what is against what is wrong. But it is to say we should be seeking to build people up and not knock people down. Authority is encouraging. And one final thing True authority works. How many hands did Jesus lay on the servant? Anybody? None. Why didn't he lay any hands on him? Didn't need to. He didn't need to even go and see him. Jesus just said where he was, be healed. And this guy was healed. Sometimes when we picture miracles... Sometimes we picture God at work. We picture God kind of struggling, you know. This is a really big one. Let me do a bit you. Oh, I need a bit of backup. This is a hard one. But that's not how it works. Remember, this is the Lord who flung the stars into space. This is the Lord that made the planets. This is the Lord who brought all things into being. This is the Lord who can do all things. This is a God who has the ultimate authority over all things. This is a God who doesn't need to lay hands to bring healing. This is a God who says you are forgiven. This is a God who says you are healed. This is a God who says be healed. This is a God who does all of these things. And you want to know the good news? This is a God who's on our side. This is a God who is with us tonight. This is a God who is with us now. This is the God whose authority is with us now. This is the God who gives us that authority. This is the God for whom we receive that authority. This is the God who loves us, encourages us. The Lord who builds us up. And the Lord who calls us to go out and do as he does like. Go and do Likewise, 
be inspired this evening by this centurion. Be inspired by his example of faith. Use his example and the example of Jesus in the authority that you are given. The authority which you exercise day by day. Follow his example of love. Follow his example of recognizing. Follow his example of encouragement. And above all, recognize he can do it all. God deserves the glory. And as I get excited every time I hear Merthyr on the news, as I get excited when Hirwin has a traffic jam by Barverstocks, when I get excited when I hear on a podcast that Aberystwyth has got some great authors, the Lord is excited about his church. But even more so, may the Lord work powerfully through each and every one of us today, this week, and all that we do. Let's pray. Well, Father God, we give thanks that all good things come from you. We give thanks that you are the creator of a universe and that all authority comes from you. And we give thanks that you use your authority for love and not for harm. And we pray that we would follow your example of using authority. We pray, Father God, that we would be inspired by this centurion more so by your son, Jesus Christ. We pray that as we acknowledge the authority we are given in the many ways that we are given it, that we would use it in love. That the power of the Spirit would fall upon us and the gifts of the Spirit would be evident in us so that people would see you at work. When people see us and the actions we take, the things that we say, the decisions that we make, they would see you at work. We pray that people would see you at work this week in this community, in the communities in which we live, in our studies, in our work, in our schools in our social life, wherever we go, people would see you at work. And we pray that you would break down barriers, barriers between you and whatever people, barriers of perception, barriers of hatred, barriers of prejudice, barriers that come, you would break them down. We pray, Lord, that we would recognize that this authority comes from you, that we would be encouraging people and we pray that we would know that you can do all things. So Lord, we lift you now the things that we want to see happen and we lift them to you knowing that you can do all things and for you it's not a stress, for you it's not a strain. You can do everything and we lift it to you. So Lord, whatever is on our heart now, be it for the world, be it for this community, for this nation, for our families, our homes, for your church, 
for ourselves, for our children, for our parents, for our friends, our aunts, our uncles, you name it, Lord. We lift them to you in situations that we find ourselves in. And we pray that you would heal. That all we need to do is say the word and healing would come. We lift them to you now. And we pray, Lord, that you would be with us in all that we do. In these days, in this week, and in these weeks ahead. In the name of Jesus, your Son. Amen.